Audacious Compassion, Episode 26, Schrodinger's Ableist. Hello, and welcome to Audacious Compassion, a podcast where we explore how to find compassion in the most difficult places in daily life. I'm Gregory Avery Weir. And I'm Melissa Avery Weir. And today we'll be talking about how to persuade people to be compassionate. So how are you doing, Melissa? I'm doing well. Uh, Life's been busy. But I had an interesting experience recently with uh, someone who has never voted before. Yeah, that's... Heck of a thing, an adult, I and assume? A grown adult, older than me. He'd never voted before, and it makes sense. It's complicated. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a midterm election, which, for anyone not in the U.S., um, that means we're not voting on the president, essentially. Yeah, and so, so it's, it's all more tricky right, questions. Right, maybe some senators and, and House of Representatives, you know, legislative people, all the way down to, like, city commissioners, um, sheriffs. Plus, yeah, plus we've got some state constitutional amendments, I think. We do. Um, and then if you're kind of not in this, in the larger counties, it can be harder to get information on your candidates because yeah. the newspapers are going to focus on people in the large city. Um, and so it's a complicated thing. And like, where do you start doing research? It's 2018. It feels like there should be something that people kind of hand you technologically to, yeah. kind of, to kind of give you this information. I mean, you can find out like the logistics of where do I go. Right. But it's trickier to be like, who do I vote for? What right. do I vote for? And if you don't want to vote for, if you don't want to make a bad decision in voting, yeah. which was very important to him. He's like, part of the reason he hasn't voted is he doesn't want to be responsible for having voted in some conservative, horrible person, right? Mm-hmm. Like, um, or someone with horrible policies. And so um, it was really interesting to kind of get to talk to him about it and, you know, kind of give him some some clear steps. But as we were talking and someone else kind of stood up and was like, you've never voted before? And I'm like, come on, dude. Like, don't shame someone for wanting to do a good civic duty yeah. <laughs> in the office. And of course, other people hear it and they're like, oh, you never have a lawyer's where you can get information. And now, you know, he's got this deluge of information where I was like, yeah. here's two things you need. <laughs> um, Boy, folks, there's, there's this problem you run into a lot where people are bothered when someone wants to change to be more responsible or better right. or to stop doing a bad thing or to start doing a good thing. Mm-hmm. You do want them to make this change. Mm-hmm. Like, right. Don't shame them for having had a bad behavior before. Like, they're, he's actively got stuff up on his computer to figure out what his ballot is, right? Like, yeah, and you, you want know. to make it easy for, for them and others to make that change mm-hmm. in the future, which shaming people for it is not going to help with that. Exactly. Um, but I think he felt a little more able to uh, to sort of take control of it in a way that wouldn't take hours to do his research um, and also gave him the freedom to not vote on races he wasn't interested in or didn't have enough information for. So um, that felt good, felt satisfying. Um, Of course, I I am much more like, it's not that I'm like watching anyone's debates or anything, but I'm Mm -hmm. definitely like, I have resist bot and I like write my senators and stuff. So it's, you know, for me, 
it's possible that if I wanted to, I could like deep dive and like read all this stuff and like do hours and hours of prep. But I'm like, it's probably not actually necessary. Um, but yeah, it's a good talk. Cool. So how are you doing? I'm doing pretty good. I've been doing, uh, I've been enjoying learning things lately. Ooh. Like, you know, I, I like learning information and stuff like that, but as as an adult, you can often go long stretches of time without, like, learning new skills, really, beyond, mm-hmm. like, more proficiency in some detailed area of something you're already good at. Right. But lately I've been drawing again and, like, actively trying to improve my skill at, at drawing. Mm-hmm. Um, I've I just got a expensive but cool new <laughs> uh, mechanical keyboard. It's an ErgoDox I feel, like we should, I feel like we should link to that um, and maybe whatever your current configuration yeah, is. Yeah, I can I can share that. Uh, <laughs> but it's I'm I'm learning the 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 Colomac layout. Oh my god. Uh, which is a non cordy uh, layout. Um, that's you know it's it's the whole point of it is like it's Dvorak but easier to pick up. Do you, do you wor- not worry about ever having to use another computer ever? I mean, I can use, I can switch really easily. Okay. Um, like, I'm not going to mistake this keyboard for anything, for any other keyboard, because, you know, this one is in two halves and has thumb <laughs> buttons, and it's a weird one. Yeah. Um, I've been learning WordPress, which I haven't mm. enjoyed learning, no. but learning the interiors of WordPress. Nope. Um, but the, the big thing that, that I've been learning, I guess, that has been occupying, not... It, not the majority of my headspace, but mm-hmm. has been kind of a very consistent thing, is nutrition. Mm. Um, so I've, for much of my life, I was lucky enough to like not have to really worry about what I ate with regard to maintaining some incredibly base level of, of kind of body stability. Mm-hmm. Um, but that hasn't lasted forever. And I've, you know, my body has been a shape that I didn't want it to be, mm-hmm. or it started going that direction. Like I'm cool with my current situation, but I don't want it to go any further into into uh, aging testosterone body yeah. um, direction. Uh, so I've been hitting up your expertise a lot. <laughs> oh God, because um, you know you you know you're questionably a jock. Earned. You questionably you lift weights. You <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, you you know this this sort of stuff far better than I do, and so I've been doing that thing that I think I do periodically, where I take something that I know that we've talked about and that you've told me before, mm-hmm. um, but that previously I was listening as a oh hey that's a cool thing I'll put that in the kind of the trivia thing yeah. and going into the no really how do I track uh-huh. <laughs> this meal like how do I d- divide this up and I do find it. Um entertaining like not at all in a mean way but just actually just mildly amusing to after we go out for dinner which restaurants are just the worst Mm -hmm. like just as someone who has been tracking their food for a long time you don't know what ingredients are in it estimating quantities is hard right and scientifically by all evidence even very experienced food trackers are very bad at estimating portions Mm -hmm. um and kind of as long as you're consistently not good at it you you know you can make it work out but it is funny to like get home and then about 10 or 15 minutes after i settle in get my shoes off i get a message that's how do you track that macaroni and I'm like, or how do you track that salad yeah and i i make sure to give you the time to get your shoes off and get yeah, comfortable yeah. first um, but yeah like 
I recently have actually like done some damn science. Like I've mm. I've been tracking weight and and body measurement changes. Mm-hmm. I've been like, oh hey, they haven't really been decreasing. Mm-hmm. So that means that some combination of my metabolism and my tracking and just mm-hmm. whatever mm-hmm. means that my calorie target is off. Or or yeah. and, and the fact that you know I'll exceed my calorie target by X percent. Right. Tend to. Um, so I've you know adjusted my goal slightly to be like losing 1.5 pounds a week instead of one mm-hmm. according to just the trackers yeah. uh, generic calculation and we'll see how that does but yeah it's been it's fun learning stuff yeah and it's kind of easy to forget that especially when like you and i are pretty good at our fields <laughs> like i have had a rough week of troubleshooting <laughs> yes but we're often the people who are teaching other folks stuff Sure. Yeah. Um. And and are less seldom learning from people who are more experienced than us. Yeah. And so it's it's interesting to be like I can only barely touch type in on a QWERTY keyboard, and I'm now learning to touch type on a keyboard that is completely blank and yes. unlabeled in an unfamiliar layout. But yeah, it's it's fun. So we got a prompt from a friend of the show on uh, another sort of tricky skill to learn mm-hmm. a couple of tricky skills yes to learn. the skill is to learn how to teach someone something tricky <laughs> i think yes so they say so yeah like i play a lot of video games like you do and i consider myself open-minded and respectful of other people while playing i play with a lot of friends who sometimes use certain language that might offend someone of another ethnicity or gender i try my best to let them know that this kind of behavior is not nice and might scare off anybody else women transgender people another race away from playing video games how can i deal with situations like this it's real let's, tough <laughs> let's assume that that what you want is to change the situation yeah. right because i mean you can leave like you can go find different friends Probably. you can curate who you're playing with better you mm. can you can just issue an ultimatum of like i'm gonna stop playing with y'all unless you stop this right we're assuming we actually want to in some way change their behavior mm-hmm. which uh and hopefully this doesn't sound too capitalist but i think having an investment in people like investing in their improvement as people is a kind thing to want to do um so like instead of so I'm a person who cuts, who cut, who is willing to cut people out of my life. Yeah. Um, but to be like, I care enough about you that I want to continue to engage with you on this. Mm-hmm. Um, I think is a is a very kind thing to want to do. I think maybe a less financial way of putting it is that you're you're cultivating them as a as a better sounds like person or better friend. Sounds or like something. gardening. Yeah. So that I mean that raises the question though of like to be effective at this, do you? need to know or do you care why they are behaving this way i can see both sides of that yeah like on the one hand you could just be like it doesn't really matter what i want is to motivate them to do something different i want to change their behavior and Mm -hmm. you don't necessarily need to care about why yeah i think there are two distinct philosophies there both of which are valid um so when i've learned about codependent and codependency related Mm -hmm. things Sometimes you were taught to engage with the behaviors, not the motivations. Like, And that's to avoid going into this cycle of trying to predict other people and trying to read their minds and so on. Right. And it's to, it's to keep you from painting stories in your head of why people are doing things and, yeah. and stuff like that. Um, and it's also kind of like the thing that matters is what they're doing. 
Yeah. Not not how they feel about it. Not whether they're actually bigots or not. Just stop behaving as bigots do. Right. Um, so that's a fine philosophy. Mm-hmm. The other philosophy is, or another philosophy is, and this is a little more nonviolent communication, but mm-hmm. figure out what needs they have that are being met by behaving this way. Are yeah. they feeling, re- you know, is this, does this suit a need to be countercultural or rebellious? Mm-hmm. And so they're doing these things that are not PC, quote unquote. Um, so you can do that and kind of find out kind of their, their state of mind and why they think it's okay or funny or whatever and to that, say those things. That might help tactically. Like you might be able to tailor your approach better mm-hmm. to them if you do that at the risk of falling into those weeds of, of trying to anticipate and, and getting all tied up in their business. Sometimes it's real disappointing. Sometimes it's real. Sometimes it's just like, oh, oh, they just. They just don't. They don't just care. Really, oh, no, no. I'll take a don't care. What's worse is. Oh, they're transphobic. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, you know. Two approaches, definitely valid. One of the, I think, especially nice things about trying to figure out why they're doing things um, is that it promotes two-way communication. Yeah. You are hearing them. They will feel heard, probably. Um, and hopefully, like, I think yeah. that would be an intent of doing so. And that is, you know, that's that's a level of intimacy, a level of rapport, Um not in a manipulative way, particularly, um, yeah. but also like they're people and you care about them. Um, so find out what's going on. Depending on how close these friends are, that might be more or less tricky. Like if they're mm-hmm. folks you hang out with in meat space yeah. and can talk to about this stuff, that's going to be less difficult Yes. than if like you exclusively talk to them on Discord while mm-hmm. in the middle of an Overwatch game for sure like that's a situation where it's really hard to establish rapport in that right. especially if there are like four other people mm-hmm. in the room at the same time you've got approximately 45 seconds yeah while you're picking your characters and sitting in the lobby in that case it might be better to just take the behavioral approach mm-hmm. and say i really don't have the opportunity or don't want to establish mm-hmm. this sort of rapport and it also has to do with your energy your level of of nervousness about it yeah. like if you don't have the energy for it then then take the approach that is a mixture whatever's most effective yeah and, and of course you you don't have to you're not responsible for their actions you right. don't have to change them if right. you you can choose to do that and that's cool and mm-hmm. generous but you know there's no obligation for you to do so exactly yeah um, something we say a lot uh, something we say pretty often on this show is that you can't make people care about things or you can't make people feel a certain way. Yeah, speaking of codependence learnings. Yeah. <laughs> but, I mean, on the other hand, compassion for people and understanding what hurts people and what is right or wrong and how to identify what those things are, that's a skill. Like, that's a learned skill that I, I think everyone has yeah. to learn. Some people are good at different areas of it Mm -hmm. as a result of neuro makeup or just life life experience life experience yeah and some some people learn earlier than other people do yeah yeah but i mean you might not be able to make them care about a thing they've decided they won't care about but you certainly can teach someone how to better understand the consequences of their actions or better understand what the arguments are Mm -hmm. about like if someone doesn't really get why something is hurtful mm-hmm. to a person, then it might be that just 
explaining like, oh no, this is this is what that means. What people hear when they say that, right? That might make them go, oh really? Oh yeah. I didn't. I thought it was just them being oversensitive or right. whatever. One, so one yeah. thing I find helpful that some people don't realize is that they are only one of many people performing that harmful thing all the time. Yeah. Like, you know, at work, you know, you talk about you talk about microaggressions and the accumulation of microaggressions. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people don't realize that accumulation. That's where like some little thing happens pretty often mm-hmm. that you know might might just be like, ugh, they yep. use this word, ugh, they gave me this look or interrupted me or whatever. But when that happens 20 times a day right. from a bunch of different people. Right. And do you also want this from your friends? Right. Yeah. So it can be, I have found that people um, do listen a little better or do kind of seem to think when I remind them of how many people I interact with and how many people are kind of assholes. <laughs> yeah, it's like you might only do this occasionally. Right. But you're one of the you're, people that does it yeah. 20 times a day. Exactly. Um and that can kind of shift the perspective because people like live in their own heads and they mm-hmm. only think about their interactions with you. Um, so that can be a that can be a helpful thing. Like so and so is trans. Every time you make some lol gender joke while mm-hmm. we're playing games, like you are not the first time they had to deal with that today. Yeah, you know, <laughs> probably not the first time this hour. <laughs> right. Um, so. And I guess the flip side of that is that. One of the reasons why they're probably okay with doing this thing that bugs you is because they hear other people doing it all the time. Right. Like, that's that's normal. I, we both play video games online, although you <laughs> tend to not do so, nope. and I don't do so that often, in part because of this stuff. Like too old for this. You just hear, once a night, hear some slur. Right. Even just with randos yep. that... It's like, you only got six people in there. How can you possibly... Yeah. But you're going you're gonna to hear it. Yep. It's easier to understand why someone would say a terrible thing mm-hmm. when you think about how, like, oh, they hear people say it just as often as I do. Right. And don't realize it yep. because it's this normal thing. Yep. And you want to hope that because they're your friend that they won't do it as much or that they'll stop doing it if you ask it of them. But um, yeah. it's not always the case. So how do you get them to do it? <sighs> so here's something I did. This is with with work stuff. This is coworkers with work stuff. and friends. Coworkers, my coworkers are generally not my friends. Fair enough. Friends, I will have a different kind of conversation with. All right, because there's an emotional stake there. But there's the fact that I need to work with these people, mm-hmm. and I want to do so in a way that uh, does not infuriate me or involve HR. <laughs> yeah, and you also um, kind of don't want you don't want them to treat you worse, right? Because of your insistence. Exactly. So. This is the first time I think I've tried this before, and it's proving effective. Um, and that is, I went to someone who uses a slur regularly, all the time in the office, um, and I asked him, I, I said, hey, like, I don't, we can sit here and argue about whether it's ableism, or you mean like a dictionary definition of this word, or like whatever, whatever, mm-hmm. Not we are not going to come to any sort of resolution on this. Um, how about when you talk to me? In a conversation with me, you do not use that slur. That's it. I don't care what you do at home. I don't care what you do to someone else in the office. Like, yeah. I mean, I do. Yeah, but, but, like, that but is, the, that's the, not the important thing. Yeah. And also, you can't observe that. Like, right, right. Like, we agree that this is a slur. You can be Schrodinger's ableist if you want. Yeah. Um, but while you're talking to me, please don't use that word. And that felt like a very small ask um, to him. And he was like, okay. 
Whereas if I'd said that's not a thing to say in the off, well, I mm. did. I of course I had like three conversations before we got to this point. I was like, please right. just stop saying that word to me. <laughs> <laughs> um, so that's a really like tactical, like cut and dry approach, like not an emotional, empathetic approach. Um, in some ways, um, yeah. we didn't really reach a consensus on the meaning of the term or or whether it was morally okay, you know, or even good for office culture to use that slur. Um, we didn't come to any kind of consensus on that. We we kind of came to a purely behavioral consensus. Yeah, but I think that there's a way in which that just respecting a request is compassionate. It's at least on the base level recognizing that you are a person that can have preferences. And that he has autonomy yeah. to say whatever stuff he wants to say. Um, and he could have denied the request. He, yeah. he could have said no. Cause... I think your, your <laughs> response to that would have been interesting to find out, but... Yeah. I don't know what it would have been. I think I think another thing that could be helpful is looking at what it is that you were trying to accomplish when you're with this person, right? Like yeah. you're probably not playing games with this person, so you get to hear all their <laughs> unique slurs, right? They're There's not, a they're not unique. Yes, they're not. They're <laughs> almost guaranteed not to be. And if they are, that's impressive and also probably shouldn't be playing games with the person who's making up the new racial slurs um but like games are relatively easy right because the reason you play games with people is usually real real clear yeah we're we're video game people we know the the academic theory behind this but essentially games got goals Oh, and you uh, try and you try and do them well okay fine they've got rule systems you're manipulating whatever but like you can look at a game and be like what are we trying to do here yes and there's a thing like even if it's competitive right, right. it's like you're if you're playing freaking mortal Kombat. <laughs> okay I'm, there are still mortal Kombat games coming out if you're playing uh what's what's a still do soul Calibur is almost out right i feel so old but you're, you're playing you're playing soul Calibur. you're playing uh like you're not working together, but you both want to play this game. Right. You want to have a good game of this. And you want to share that experience with them, right? Like yeah. how much, how many unique experiences came from our playing Borderlands 2 together? Right. It's a very different game with other people than it is playing solo. And so you can approach it in that with like, when you say that, it distracts me from the game. And I'm not even someone who that slur applies to. Mm -hmm. Like... I want to just play the game. Right. Like if if you say things that get people tilted, it's not fun playing against tilted people. Right. Tilting is when like someone gets so mad that they start playing badly. Yeah. Like it's not fun to play against opponents that are playing badly. If right. if you're if you're enjoying the genuine game, mm -hmm. you know that. Like yeah. it can be fun for like 10 minutes to just kick someone's ass. Right. But eventually you're like I could just be playing against bots. Mhm. Mm I want to I want to actually have some sort of competition or right. have good allies that I can play with and actually accomplish the goal or whatever. Yeah. And so just like appealing to that, which I guess this is sort of another sort of behavioral thing, right? Like this is a case where you're not trying to change what they value in life in general. Just mm -hmm. be like, hey, what you're doing right now doesn't serve your own goals. Right. But I think that that requires sussing out why they're doing this. I don't think that's as effective if you're assuming that they just want to play the game. Like, that's not a valid assumption necessarily. Maybe it's a more social event than a game event for them, right? Like, Yeah, so sure. So having yeah. that conversation of like, 
why are we here? Why are we playing this game? Is it just because of the game? Could you substitute anybody in this chair and it would be fine? Yeah. Um, are we being cool friends by doing this together? If so, then let's talk about why you're using this language and like where we can put the line between your bad language and maybe bad meaning. Yeah. <laughs> um, and our ability to enjoy this space together. Yeah. Which sounds super woo-woo, and I would not word it that way to someone, I don't think, but... Yeah, you can you can figure out a way to make it relatively smooth in the in the making. And I mean, it's not going to be totally smooth. It's always going to be awkward. Like, this is an awkward conversation yes. to have, because you're put in an awkward place by someone's rude-ass behavior. Right, and you are probably... You probably have a different morality compass than they do. Or they wouldn't be using those words. Yeah, or <laughs> like yeah, and it just... might it might be that they just don't haven't thought this through or have right. haven't had the personal experience or mm-hmm. the se- direct secondhand experience mm-hmm. to know to realize like oh I've been an asshole this whole time. Right. But I mean I think that given that you've already that this this question asker has already said hey this isn't cool. You're going to scare people away. Mm-hmm. Can you not do that? And it's not working. Yeah. I think you got to reframe that. you got to figure yeah. out some way to approach the problem from a different angle. Mm-hmm. Because think, yeah. doing the same thing over and over might annoy them into stopping. That yeah. And that's cool. Like, if that works, great. Yeah. But it's probably not the most strategic way of going about this. Yeah. So, what have you been inspired by lately? Well, speaking of weird... <laughs> approaches and perspectives uh i recently (laughs) read a book called unsong by scott alexander which i have open in a browser to read but i have not started yet it's i guess you'd call it web fiction it was published serially on a website i would call it fiction (laughs) yeah but i mean its format is notable in in the way it's presented Ah. like it's it was definitely presented in a way where it's like hypertext well there's a little bit of linking but more like Every chapter has a comment section below it oh. where people are like, oh, what does this mean? What does this mean? Cool. Um, but the, the, I would call it a post-apocalyptic cyberpunk Kabbalist novel. So by Kabbalist, you mean that's the religious? Yes, the, the Kabbalah. And, okay. the, yeah, the, the sort of using numerological approaches to sort of biblical magic, like manipulating things by looking at it text concordances and stuff but it's not a religious story oh it absolutely is oh so the premise is apollo 8 i want to say the one that was the first one to orbit the moon okay talking Um, about talking about the ship not the god (laughs) yes yes uh although of course Uh there's discussion of the meaning of the fact that it was named apollo um but apollo 8 goes out to orbit the moon and it gets to the end the furthest point in its orbit and it hits the crystal sphere at the outside of the world and shatters it. Hmm. And when it does so, it breaks reality. Like, Monday stops happening. Oh. There's just this shining light shining through from outside. And it turns out that the world is the world dis- depicted in the Bible. And this is all, a, you know, all, all of our science and so on is just kind of this elaborate, complicated thing to keep the world running in the right way. Okay. And it... it there's a whole lot of reveals and stuff that I don't want to talk about because it's a, it is a it is a book that runs very well on like what's going on here oh oh that's yeah. what's going on oh what's going on it's not like there's one huge twist at the end but it's mm-hmm. just it's fun it's a fun exploration of this mystery yeah 
But a lot of it, a lot of the story revolves around words, which are like, if you say the right sequence of words, the right Hebrew syllables, mm-hmm. then stuff will happen. Oh. And stuff could be something. So like spells? spells. Yep. Okay. Spells. Like <laughs> biblical spells. You know, and they're all names of God. Okay. So there's there's a certain number of valid names of God, and each one you say, something happens. And it might just be like, you feel a little more awake, huh. or the vehicle you're in moves a little faster, or you instantly teleport to a situation that most resembles the one in which you currently are in. That's weird. Yeah, and, I definitely need to read this. <laughs> and the, the, first, the first real chapter of it, the main character one of them the, the the focus character is working at a dead-end job where his job is to read off potential names from a computer screen like day in day out potential like names that potential people... words that oh. will call it that will be spells oh. so the screen will show a sequence of characters and he'll read it and nothing happens and then three seconds later he'll do, do another se- sequence of characters and he'll read it and nothing happens and that's his job and you know Wow. Maybe once every few months, you'll discover a real word. Wow. Um, and at the end of the first chapter, what? Ha- so he it turns out he is uh, an expert in Kabbalah and oh. got disgraced from from his position in his, in his dead end job. And at the end of the first chapter, he reads a word, nothing happens. He goes meh 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 meh, and that's the spell. And oh, he's like, no. oh shit, I found a spell. And because it, it was, I just said stuff at the end of it. It's not in the computer. So the computer doesn't know that I found a spell, and so yeah. this is important. Um, and so it goes on from there, but it it's a book that starts very mundane. Like, mm-hmm. it feels like this world is pretty similar to our own, mm-hmm. except just a few changes. And then over the course of the book, you're like, oh, shit, no, this world has changed fundamentally. Oh. Like, like science is broken down, yes. clearly. Yeah. yeah, and like... political boundaries have broken down like things that feel like throwaway references like some historical figure like no this person remade the world in a in a way that that you didn't appreciate early on so it's 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 a very interesting book and it's a book that's a whole lot about trying to understand characters are trying to understand what happened why people did things Mm -hmm. why the world is the way it is like one of the central questions of of the book is the theogeny question i think hmm. which is why does evil exist oh like the book constantly is like be- because this is a world where you're like hey it's probably possible to talk to god it's definitely possible to talk to angels i just did tuesday <laughs> we could we should be asking this question yeah why is there evil in this world right. like there must be an answer based on what we know about the existence now and that's a constant hmm. question throughout the book and people offer different different things and you finally get a relatively authoritative answer by the end of the book of oh okay that is a good answer hmm. um it's, it's interesting because scott alexander who's the author um is kind of active in the rationalist and, and effective altruism communities ah. um in the sense of like it's clearly a person who thinks long and hard about moral issues from a analytical perspective mm-hmm. um and also i don't know if he's jewish but he at least is very well scripted in the Kabbalah. Yeah. Like, so there's just beautiful chapters that are all just wordplay of being like, oh, well, don't you see the concordances between this story in the Bible and like mm-hmm. this historical event? Like, well, you know, Watergate, oh, well, the word water and the word gate in Hebrew would be this, and you can see this and this other thing. Interesting. Um, there's, yeah, a, cool. there's a very good Apollo mission related uh, 
pun that comes in that's very, very plot relevant. So have you read the whole thing? Yes, I finished it. It's good. I like it. You going to read um, it again? I don't know. Um, it's it's like reading Homestuck. Like, so much of it is that experience of going through. It's a bad comparison it's to It's much, for me. much shorter than Homestuck. <laughs> um, but it does inspire that same sort of like, here's this system that's built up. Mm-hmm. You're invested in what happens, and also you feel like you might be able to understand the way this story is going. Yeah. And are that's enticing. Yeah. So what have you been inspired by lately? <sighs> so I have two cats. Um, or have they been inspirational? They have been, yes. They have inspired they many have, have emotions inspired. and responses from you? They have. I have one cat that's, um, it tends towards being anxious, um, eats plastic, chews on boxes, um, gets upset when I go away, uh, doesn't like to be away from me at night, all this sort of stuff. That's definitely not an unheard of thing in cats, but yeah. it's also not all cats. Right. Um, and my other cat is far more chill. Um, and so, you know, I've kind of reached this. Okay, so my cats are 11 years old and I've had them forever. So that's, this is. That's pretty old. That's their late middle age. They're, they are eating senior food now, which okay. is just like, anyway. Um, and I've, I've, I feel like I've tried just about everything I could think of. Mm-hmm. So when I last took them to the vet, I was like, what can I do about this? Yeah, I, you were like, give me pills. Yes. Let me put pills in this cat. Yeah, I was like, is medicine the way to go at this which point? Which would be cool if that was the advised approach. Right, which it's not yet. Um, it seems like those are harsh and, you know, okay. those, yeah, like yeah. not great. Side effects and stuff. It's antidepressants. So yeah, which, it's, yeah, I know. That's, yeah. <laughs> there's some rough stuff there. Right. Um, and they're not well tested on cats. So anyway, um, my vet was like, hey... Let's take a behavioralist approach. There's a couple of things you haven't tried. Mm-hmm. So, okay, cool. Um, and so I picked up this book, which has the silliest primary title, um, called Naughty No More <laughs> uh, by Marilyn Krieger. Um, and I'll definitely link to it. Are you sure that's not a romance novel? It it might. It, maybe that's why I was able to read it successfully. <laughs> um, but it's, it's a book. Um, the subtitle is Change, Change Unwanted Behaviors Through Positive Reinforcement. Okay. So it's, um, it focuses on clicker training, which I already had a clicker because I was like, oh, you can clicker train cats. That sounds like fun. Um, and then I was like, is this actually a thing I want to do? And that's a thing where like you get the cat to do something, you give them a treat and click the clicker, which just makes a little like right, noise. Exactly. And then eventually you don't need the treat anymore. because uh, they... You need it less. Apparently cats. Uh... Cats are too clever. Because yeah. dogs, you can eventually just like go... And they'll be like, oh, hey, you just gave me food. Right. Whatever the reward is. The reward doesn't mm-hmm. have to be food. Um, it can be just positive attention. You're mm-hmm. like, oh, hey, good cat. Um, or, and then there's sort of ranges of qualities of rewards. Like uh, basic food kibble versus like fancy treats versus like meat. Like, you know, mm-hmm. depending on how yeah. difficult your training session is going to be. So um, I picked up the book, skeptical, but it was highly rated. Um, and I decided to start doing it and it's kind of fun. It's real adorable. It's definitely adorable. It's, I've seen one or two sessions. It's and super adorable. Especially for these, these are both willful cats. These are, yes. <laughs> and to see them like do the stuff you want them to do is just very cute. Yeah. And it's, you know, it's simple things. It's, you know, like touch the end of this chopstick. It's sit on this mat. It's, you know, and it progresses from there depending on what kind of behavior you want to modify. Um, which I think that's behavior modification. I don't know. The way people talk about animals and training animals is very different yeah. than you wouldn't say like, I'm going to modify the behavior of my child. Yeah. Unless, well, um, 
problem Actually, people we do talk that way yeah. about pr- prisoners and, yeah, and uh, unruly children yeah but, yeah um but it's it's an opportunity to like the the point of it and to a certain degree is less about specific behaviors at this moment it's about having a concentrated session in which the cat and i are spending time with each other doing something fun mm-hmm. it's different than chasing the toy around because that's the, my two cats don't always interact well with that. Um, but it's like, hey, I love you. I'm paying attention to you. We're doing this cool thing. Um, and it's kind of working. Like, mm. nights I don't do it, Jackie just cl- climbs the walls. <laughs> it's I, There have been times where I have been had a toothbrush in my mouth, getting ready for bed at midnight, and Jackie just won't chill out. And I'm like, okay, well, we have to do this then. <laughs> and calms right down um so it's a lot of fun um it's only like a five or ten minute session per cat because cats aren't gonna be compelled to do this for a long time um in any given session um but it's a lot of fun and um it's inspiring i'm glad that there might be a solution that doesn't involve drugging my cat i mean not that if you need to resort to that like that's i totally i I totally get it yeah, I, and beyond, I'm sure totally there's some good. cats where that is the best thing for them. Mm-hmm. Um, so no shade, uh, but I, given some of the side effects that were listed as as potential problems, I'm hopeful that continuing on this vein will will prevent needing to put my apparently old cats on, on nice. medicine. So hopefully that helps. Yeah, maybe that's a solution. Our uh, oh my god, our question asker <laughs> should try. Just get a clicker on a click. on the Discord call. Yes, and as soon as a uh, as soon as someone swaps out a slur for another word, click it. On the other hand, you could just do that every time they do a slur. I wouldn't want to hear a clicker right in my headphones. <laughs> no, no, it's positive reinforcement, not punishment. <laughs> We've talked a lot about different aspects of like learning and teaching and and forming and encouraging skills mm-hmm. that a lot of them seem to be about sort of recognizing the personhood I'm mm-hmm. not going to say humanity because one of them was about cats, yes. but the personhood of folks, of entities. Yeah. And like, people do things for a reason. Yeah. And people aren't really too different from each other, even when those people are cats. <laughs> like, we can we can learn to understand and we can teach other folks to, to vote or understand or whatever. Yeah. And I don't know that I'll ever be able to convince Jackie that my sleep time is more valuable than... than their desire for attention (laughs) yeah but i can mitigate their need for attention by providing that some other way and that's a case where you're focusing on the behavior and not worrying too much about the motivation exactly yep and if that's what gets obnoxious behavior stopped cool (laughs) um it's whatever approach works is is going to make a positive result yeah it'd be nice to have us all understand each other and and be totally compassionate in our motivations but just imagine what our political system would look like if that were i have trouble well thank you for talking to me today melissa thank you for talking to me and thank you all for listening this has been audacious compassion if you want to chat with us about something that has to do with compassion and empathy uh, please submit it to us at averyweir.net that's e-v-e-r-y dash w-e-i-r dot net if you want to follow us on Twitter or Facebook, you can check us out at AudaciousCast. 
and like us, follow us, share us with your friends. Uh, mm-hmm. We'd love to to get a wider audience. Um, give us ratings if you're inclined to do that. Mm-hmm. Uh, that tends to help people find podcasts. So yes, yeah, send us out because we don't advertise. We don't. Which means that we're depending on y'all's help to yeah. spread the word. I'm Gregory Avery Weir, and I could be found on Twitter at Gregory Weir. I'm Melissa Avery Weir, and I can be found on Mastodon.social as Melissa Avery Weir. No hyphen. <laughs> the two of us are Future Proof Games, which is a tiny little video game studio that you can visit at futureproofgames.com. And we're entering the seasons where there are a whole lot of discounts on various video game storefronts. So yep. if you want to pick up our games for cheap, yep. you can stop on by. Our theme music is Invisible Light by Josh Woodward, available under a Creative Commons Attribution 4.0 license. Talk to you later. Thank you.